I think one of the really interesting things about the cannabis industry, medical or adult use, that that I found is as a pharmacist in a regular pharmacy, absolutely no patient will come in and say, well, what do you like? What do you use? Right? You're not expected to have taken (laughs) every single one of the pills that you're dispensing behind the counter in a pharmacy. But in a dispensary, whether it's medical or adult use, they're like, well, do you use, do you smoke? What do you like? What is this? And that's where, as a pharmacist, I am a patient. I have no problem having that conversation with people too. It really helps me have that personal conversation with both ends of the spectrum, both patients and your adult use, your recreational use people. Because being able to wade between both of those worlds is imperative in this industry, especially when it's just medical. Hey everybody, my name is Josh Remini. I am the pharmacist that de-prescribes drugs by giving people health and wellness tips, tricks, hacks to moving their health from maybe not so good to vibrant. Follow along if you're ready to go beyond the pills. Hello everyone. My next guest on the summit here is Brian Essenter. He is a pharmacist who graduated Northeastern University. He's a pharmacist and cannabis pharmacist in Connecticut since 2015. Brian founded the Medical Marijuana Consultant CT in 2018, where he counsels patients on the effects and side effects of medical cannabis, possible interactions with other medications, and consults for other businesses. Brian has been strong voice in advocating for medical cannabis patients and equally in the cannabis industry at the local, state, and national levels. He works with John Patrick University on their Master's of Science in Lifestyle and Functional Medicine with a concentration in cannabis. JPU also includes the Institute of Cannabinoid Medicine, where they offer a diploma in medical cannabinoid sciences for those who don't need a master's. We'll talk a little bit about that. Brian is also a former advisory board member of Green Check Verified, which is a cannabis banking solutions, huge problem that we need to face, and also a consultant that involves planning, building out, and opening a new medical dispensary in Connecticut, my hometown. Go Huskies. Brian has also consulted for multiple businesses in and out of the cannabis industry. Ladies and gentlemen, Brian, how are you doing, man? Doing well. Thank you so much for having me today. I appreciate it. Uh, I think this is a huge topic. It was serendipitous that we got together and talked when we were at our last in-show conference a year ago, because I really feel this topic is really important and very forward-facing today. You know, looking at where we sit in the industry of cannabis, medical cannabis, I'm a real strong proponent of the medical side of plant medicine. So tell us a little bit about you and who you are and how you became a medical marijuana consultant. Absolutely. I started actually working for Walgreens way back in 2000 as a pharmacy grad tech when I was in school and ended up being a pharmacist for them for about 16 years. I worked in Massachusetts, Nevada, Connecticut, and really watched the pharmacy industry change drastically. And it was very disheartening. It got away from being about the patients and became more about, you know, what's covered, what isn't, why, how much it costs, how long it's taking to fill it. And it just really got away from the patients and really trying to help them and interacting with the patients and improve their quality of life. 
fortunately here in Connecticut, when they started their medical cannabis program, they required pharmacists to be involved, which I thought was one of the greatest moves they could have made. It's a little weird because most of us pharmacists don't know a heck of a lot about cannabis, but it's something that is so appropriate and necessary for us to be involved in just because the patients that we're seeing, they all have chronic conditions that are usually not well controlled with your prescription medications. So they've been struggling there on the roller coaster ride of what doctor's prescribing what for them. And nobody's really helping them out. A lot of times they've been trying to use cannabis on their own separately. And now they're looking for some real guidance on how to do it properly, how to not have interactions with other medications and how to stay a functioning person and stay an active participant in their lives. Cannabis can really allow them to do that. It gives them the opportunity to help with some of the symptoms and side effects of their prescription medications, along with treat a lot of their conditions that have not been able to be treated well at all or stabilized with their prescription medications as well. So it's really been a labor of love. Most pharmacists don't know anything about cannabis when they get involved. I thought I had a half a clue and was sorely mistaken very quickly when I got involved and realized that it was on me to do my research and make sure that I knew more than my patients did, because that was sort of a problem I was running into too, is my patients knew more about this medication than I did. And that was a little intimidating. And as our pharmacist egos go, that was a big hit to it. So (laughs) um, I never heard that before. Pharmacist ego. I like that. I like that a lot. I mean, you know, we're we're used to being experts when it comes to medications and drugs and patients look at us that way. And when you're talking about a drug or a medication or anything that people are using to, to help improve their quality of lives, we should be knowledgeable on that. We should be the experts on that and we should be able to guide them appropriately. For me, it was, like I said, it was, it was part of the ego thing. You're used to knowing the answers when these patients come to you. And I was having to ask them a lot of questions. So I really took it upon myself to do my research, attend the conferences, you know, take classes, everything I could know as much as humanly possible about this medication that is doing some amazing things for patients that not other medications have been able to do. Yeah. So there's a couple of things we're going to go over in this chat because there's really important topics that you discovered is like, how does one as a healthcare practitioner get the right type of education for this? Because we're not taught it in school because we're touching on these subjects in this summit, because these are hugely important. They are medications when we talk plant medicine. And then, so we'll talk a little bit of the legalization piece, a little bit between medical marijuana and recreational. Where do we sit as state level versus federal? Because I think these are all really important factors. And of course, we're going to introduce how pharmacists get touch with that. So let's talk a little bit about the science, because I think this is really important. When people think medical marijuana, they still just think, that let's just say the beginner's mind says, well, if they're taking an illegal substance to get high and that's what's fixing the problem. So a lot of pharmacists have been using CBD now lately and in their pharmacies because it's legal. The hemp law came through and less than 0.3 THC. So they're used to kind of the non-psychoactive cannabinoids a little bit. So talk to us a little bit about some of the science in the cannabis field that's on the THC side or the psychoactive component of that, because I think that's a little important for people to dis- decipher because they think it's just, oh, I'm going to get high and that's what's effective. So tell us a little bit about the difference between THC and CBD. 
Absolutely. So CBD is the one everybody's been aware of. They have much more access to. That's your non-intoxicating cannabinoid. Great for anti-inflammatory. can help with anxiety and some pain. It can help with nausea as well. THC is your other big one that everybody knows about, your tetrahydrocannabinol. That's your Delta 9 is what everybody's referring to there. And that's the one that is intoxicating. That can get you high. The thing with THC is getting high, the intoxicating effect is really no different than other pain medications or anything else. That high is, number one, it's dose dependent. Number two, it's a side effect. It's not the goal. So just like your opiates and everything else, that high, that lightheaded, dizzy, drowsy kind of a feeling is a side effect. It can be very dose dependent. So the number one thing we we recommend to patients is start low and go slow. You can always do more. You can't do less. Those are my two little quips that I love to give patients because a lot of patients that have been using cannabis, we'll say recreationally, whether it was intended for medical use or not, but on a recreational level or market, I guess, they're used to THC. They're used to, you know, well, I just need more of it to not feel the pain, to not think about whatever is happening. And that's really the side effects of things. No different than abusing opiates or anything like that. You're not doing it for the pain relief anymore. You're doing it for the side effects. You know, your typical dose where it's going to be beneficial is about two and a half to five milligrams. You start getting above that for THC and that's where you get much more side effects and everything else. And the therapeutic benefit is pretty minimal really at that point, depending on what you're looking for. The thing is, is there's, what is it, about 100 60 different cannabinoids that have been found in the cannabis plant at this point. So CBD and THC are two of them, but they are not the only ones by any means. There's THCA, there's CBDA, there's CBN, CBG, CBC, THCV. All of these cannabinoids are being studied right now and found to have significant medicinal benefits on their own as well. But they're also finding that they're having better benefits together with an entourage effect of the whole plant idea too. The way we really describe it to patients or, or I try to explain to them is cannabis is not only about CBD and THC. There's a lot of other cannabinoids that we can use to get the benefits of this. THC specifically, most of my patients come in and the first two things they tell me is they don't want to smoke and they don't want to get high. And they are very happy when I'm like, awesome, not a problem. We have plenty of options to work with. We don't need to do any of those things. And their eyes get really big and they're like, no way. And I'm like, you know, this is what it is to be on the medical side of things. We have products that are available for you to do whatever you're comfortable with and adjust accordingly to whatever your needs are. Anything from topicals to tablets to sublingual strips to sprays to drops Even vaping and smoking, if that's something that they really want to do, those are all options. But we also have the different cannabinoids in each one of the different options so that we can really help them adjust to the specific regimen that they're interested in. For instance, THCA is your raw version of THC. So if you look at a bottle of THC flower or your buds and it says that it's a 30% total THC on there, it's actually probably going to be around 29% THCA. The THCA is non-intoxicating, does not get you high or anything like that. All the benefits of THC. So if you were to juice it, eat it raw, anything like that, there are certain sprays and tinctures that are THCA as well. We have patients that are able to use THC without the intoxicating effects of it as well. So There's a lot of ways around all of the other concerns that most patients have when they get involved. 
it's just a matter of them knowing what options are available to them that they can truly medicate without all of the side effects that everybody's concerned about and have heard about. I think that's a huge piece. And as you keep talking, I just keep thinking like, how can we get more healthcare practitioners doing that, right? It's like, this starts with a conversation. It starts with getting to know your patient. It starts to understanding like, what is their lifestyle? How can they deal with this? And of course, maybe it's my pharmacist ego comes out when I hear people talking about drug interactions that aren't pharmacists, right? It's not, we're not talking doctors, we're talking bud tenders and people that really don't have that medical background to look at the cytochromes and look at all the different things that go on. So you and I have had lots of conversations about our passion around this thing where pharmacists should hold it. Right now, it's like there's a science, but there's still a lot of trial and error. We don't know how all these cannabinoids work independently with each other. And I always say science has always done our own evolution coming from the way science intended it. That entourage effect is really how they all work in harmony and synergy together. So you can get benefits by the singulars, but you can also see the benefits of all these things working in harmony. It's kind of like the body. When you go the ologist approach to medicine, it's like, well, let's look at that compartment. But then they're like, well, what about this compartment? And what about this? So taking that holistic approach is really that functional integrative space, but it applies to plants and applies to medicines that come from the earth. And that's really where pharmacy came from. Looking at from that perspective, tell us a little bit, because I think the voices in my head right now are legal, 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 or in North Carolina, I moved from Connecticut. We don't have legal medical. The law is still kind of floating. It's going to be very restrictive. So tell us a little bit about where we are in the legal status of marijuana and where we are with cannabis. Absolutely. So obviously it's a state by state thing. Each state, as of right now, we have a federal hemp program. CBD is technically legal in each state. The CBD that they're getting is coming from hemp. They're not growing actual medical cannabis to extract the CBD so that the hemp is less than 0.3% THC. A lot of the states now too are, are changing that so that it's a total THC so that your THCA, your Delta 8, your Delta 9, all those THCs get added together. It makes it a little bit more complicated as well because they never really used to look at your THCA or your Delta 8 or anything like that before. And now because a lot of these hemp companies are creating these synthetic cannabinoids by washing CBD hemp to get your Delta 8, your Delta 10, your THCO, which is a whole other conversation about safety and concerns with them. But CBD in, in general is really what's available for everybody. And the biggest thing that I'll say about CBD as far as patients when they're looking to sort of dip their toe into cannabis is it's a great place to start. Non-intoxicating, you don't have to worry about even a dose-dependent issue of all of a sudden it's causing issues or anything there. But a couple of the big issues with CBD is, number one, you want to make sure you're sourcing it well. You don't want to grab it off of the gas station counter or anything like that. You want to make sure that they have testing information that you can actually see that they're sourcing this properly, that it's not a bunch of heavy metals and lead and pesticides that are in there. So that's where I think it's really important to make sure that you are going through your local pharmacies and such because they know how to source products. This is something we've done forever. We've always been able to look at different testing and, and all of that and make sure that we know these products that we're recommending to patients are actually CBD and not nothing or have THC or all of these other things in there that are not helping patients. The great thing about CBD as well is if they do have an opportunity to get 
their hands on THC or full plant, whole, full spectrum, anything like that, is part of the entourage effect is CBD can counteract that intoxicating effect of THC. So that's another place that we really try to discuss all of these things with patients is many people that have come to us have already been using cannabis in some form or another through black market or whatever it happens to be. They just want to know if it's okay to actually use it medicinally now because of the legality changing in so many states in the North and in the West. There's a lot more states that have legalized, so there's a lot more information. There's a lot more relatives that are talking to other relatives in certain states and passing along information. So these patients have a lot more questions and really want to know the direction they should go. CBD is a great place to start. It doesn't really give patients all of what they want, but again, sourcing it properly is as important as anything when it comes to CBD there and making sure that you know, you have that testing information, you know how much is in there and everything too with it. Yeah, I think it's hugely important what you said is like pharmacists know how to source quality. We use Madre Terra, it's liposomal, which I really love. They know where it comes from America, so we're not getting the pesticides and all that good stuff. It's got the certificate of analysis, it's professional grade. When we teach people about supplements, like when I mentor people that way, same difference. It's like, make sure quality matters first. I like that it's like a starter, but it, let's say we're in a state where medical is legal and we're using it. I love where you put in the counterbalancing effects of CBD and THC. I've counseled patients on that before. It was like, if you're too high, take CBD or use a combination so you don't get that component. There's a mix and match there, but Let's talk a little bit about medical because it's coming. I think at some point it'll be a federal thing, but right now it's like we're working on state by state, like you said. So let's talk a little bit about the medical side and the pharmacist roles, because what's funny is it is still kind of in wild, wild west. And I'm proud of my home state, Connecticut, because they mandate the pharmacist own the permit. And I believe that's the only state in the union that does that. And there's only a few of the states that mandate any pharmacist intervention with medical, right? I don't think there's that many. No, there's not. It, uh, Connecticut, New York, Pennsylvania, Louisiana, Minnesota, and maybe one other. I think that's about it, though. They were going to do it in Oklahoma. Oklahoma ended up messing up pretty bad. Their pharmacy department started doing some pretty shady stuff. So they got thrown out of the program altogether. But exactly to what you're talking about. So New York right now with their adult use program is actually taking pharmacists out of the dispensary in this process, which is a big fight that's happening in New York right now, because the part of the adult use is they're now allowing pharmacists to be remote for the medical side of things, as opposed to being on site all the time. So you don't have the access to the pharmacist that you would have had before to ask some simple questions or, you know, something that happened to come up as you were headed to the dispensary or you heard somebody else talking or anything like that. It's really important to be able to have a confident conversation of, well, I'm also taking this antidepressant and, you know, this blood pressure medication and this blood thinner and all these other medications and still be able to get an answer as to how cannabis can affect those medications and even, you know, if it will or if it won't, but how they should proceed in order to minimize side effects. Like we mentioned, CBD and THC together, most of your bud tenders aren't going to be able to have those conversations. And even if they do, 
they can't really give dosing guidelines or anything like that for these patients to have an idea to work with. One of the great things about cannabis, which I love more than anything, is the patients are in control. And the thing about that is nobody is 20 milligrams of Paxil depressed every single day. That's just because of a lot of different reasons. That's what you're on. But you don't have that same day every single day. So cannabis allows you to adjust your medication to whatever the day brings. If it's a great day and you're not in pain or anxiety or whatever, well, then you can medicate less and you can be present for the day a little bit more and, and actually enjoy it. If you're having a, a really terrible day, well, then, you know, you can medicate accordingly. And, and if you need to lay down and take a nap or whatever, you know what you're getting yourself into and you can adjust accordingly that way too. And being able to just have those simple conversations beyond getting into dosing and everything else, having that conversation about it's okay to adjust for what your day brings and give them some ammunition as to how to actually help themselves on those days. Your average bud tender is going to be able to tell them what's fire and what's going to get them high and ripped and all this other kind of stuff. But you're not going to send your 80-year-old grandmother in to have a conversation with them and feel comfortable that she's going to come out with a product that is going to be safe and effective for her. It's really discouraging that they're starting to take some pharmacists out of some of these places. There's so many patients that really need the guidance very specifically as to how to dose, how to adjust their dosing, all of those kind of things to prevent the side effects. One of the big things I tell my patients is, I don't ever want to send anybody home with a garbage bag full of stuff where they spent a whole bunch of money, they don't know everything that they have, they're not sure what's helping, what isn't, and now it just ends up in a pile in the corner and they don't believe or trust me either that they're going to come back and try to find something else. So I think that's a big part in how to really attack the issues for these patients because if they feel as though you're just selling them the most expensive things and getting them out of there with as much stuff as they can, I'd rather see them back in a week or two so that we we can adjust dosing, have a conversation about what's working, what isn't, and what direction we want to go with everything. And eventually when they're comfortable and they have a certain level of tolerance and they're comfortable using the different delivery methods, then we can get them a 30-day supply or what have you and allow them to go on accordingly. But part of my goal in the education is to educate the patient enough so that they don't need me anymore. That sounds kind of weird. You always want them to need you in some way. You want to keep your job there, but you give the patients the information so that they can, you know, and they'll come back. There are always going to be questions, but they love that freedom of being able to medicate themselves and adjust for whatever their needs may be. It really gives them that freedom that a lot of prescription medicines don't. And, and a lot of times, you know, how many patients do you know that can't go somewhere because they won't be able to take their pain meds or at that six hour mark or eight hour mark? You know, I mean, they live on that schedule and this gives them the ability to not have to do that so much, so much more freedom to enjoy their lives. That's great. I love that. Like, it's a patient centered approach, right? That's the holistic piece. One of my mentors, Sachin Patel, always says the doctor of the future is the patient. When the patient is informed, it's their journey. They have control. And that's great how you layer that in. And the second piece that I think is really important is there is a certain space and lane for medical-based marijuana, medical-based plant medicines versus recreational. Because I think a lot of the process that's going on almost feels like now it's like, well, when the state goes medical, then people find a reason to go get it medically. And then they go recreational, but then they sort of fall off the medical side because if it's available to anyone anywhere, then the self-dosing comes. And you painted that picture of, 
the person really going in for medical reasons and they have to talk to someone like a bud tender who has no medical background whatsoever. They're probably high when you're talking to them because they're in a recreational zone. It doesn't matter. They're actually probably paid to be high at some point, like to understand it's like there is a very big difference. And I think it's really our job as professionals to really educate on that difference. And then also the stigma of using it and people thinking you're doing it recreationally. Tell me about how many patients do you see are so worried their family members or someone's going to think of them as a drug addict, if you will, if they're using these things as well. That's also another concern where we can really like get the safety, efficacy, and also the peace of mind in the medical side, but continue our lane as pharmacists are in that space, you know? When it goes recreational, use it for recreational if you want, but keep us over here on the medical. I always think there's this battle between the two, and I think they can be very well defined and useful. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I think one of the really interesting things about the cannabis industry, medical or adult use, that that I found is... As a pharmacist in a regular pharmacy, absolutely no patient will come in and say, well, what do you like? What do you use? Right. You're not expected to have taken (laughs) every single one of the pills that you're dispensing behind the counter in a pharmacy. But in a dispensary, whether it's medical or adult use, they're like, well, do you use, do you smoke? What do you like? What is this? And that's where, as a pharmacist, I am a patient. I have no problem having that conversation with people too. It really helps me have that personal conversation with both ends of the spectrum, both patients and your adult use, your recreational use people, because being able to wade between both of those worlds is imperative in this industry, especially when it's just medical. Because like you said, so many people just get a card and just want to come in and ask you, oh, what's the strongest stuff you got? What's going to get me ripped and this and that? And and that's great. There's a place for that and everything too. I don't have a problem with it. It's safer than alcohol and so many other options that they have there. But you also have your patients asking very similar things. And They like the idea of being able to get some sort of a personal anecdotal answer to that. And for whatever reason, they trust that more. They really feel like, okay, well, if you've done this and you're not dead, I shouldn't die either kind of a thing, because that's the reefer madness stigma that comes with it. When they see that, well, you're a pharmacist and you're having a very educated conversation with me, you're not stoned out of your mind with bloodshot eyes and men and all this other kind of stigma to it. It's medication. It's helping deal with all of those kind of symptoms. And and they realize, okay, I, I can be an adult and still medicate appropriately with this having those conversations with them, it makes them more comfortable in how to use each particular product and how to dose it as well. And the dosing is a really big part of that too. Having that freedom to know that, all right, I'm not going to get high or I'm not going to have this, you know, but if I need a little bit more, I can. Like we said, that that's a great opportunity for them. The adult use side, they're really just looking for the most potent stuff, a bunch of different stuff, specific strains, that kind of thing. You know, the, the medical side of things is really where people are looking for that guidance more. They want that strain specific effect that's going to either get them the uplifted, focused feel or the sedating, help with the anxiety, knock them out kind of a thing. And and they want to have conversations on those levels. And that's where having a pharmacist there, I'm not just going to say, okay, well, do you want a sativa and indica hybrid? Because those words are horrible terms 
as far as I'm concerned. They don't give a true indication of what each particular strain is going to do for you and what benefits it might have. So having a conversation of, well, what time of day and what symptoms are you looking for in a medical environment changes the whole tone of things as opposed to the adult use and the medical is to, you know, are you looking for creamy and fruity or skunky or how high are you looking to be? Are you looking to be knocked out or all of those kind of things? Instead, you can start speaking about, are you looking for more pain relief, focus, uplifting, anxiety relief, PTSD, sleep, all of those kind of things are really where you can help them find exactly the relief they're looking for on a symptom basis as opposed to, I just want to get high. Yeah, there's well over, I believe, even on the CBD realm, there's well over 80 sort of medical reasons to do these things now. So let's talk a little bit about education because this is part of your zone of genius, right? You work with institutions that are training medical professionals like pharmacists to understand what you just said, because I don't particularly know the different strains and what they're used for and this and that, because I've been on the outside looking in trying to get the information where I can, because it's really hard as a practitioner versus someone that's just a consumer. Talk to us a little bit about some of the programming that pharmacists can take in order to level up their level of understanding. Because even if it's not in a medical marijuana state right now, you can still consult people because you know they're trying it. You said they're going to find it in different ways. And there's ways for us to talk to our patients because they know, like, and trust us. So what is some things that we could do maybe on our own and then through those institutions you work with to give us a little bit of idea of the length of time? What are things available to us right now? Yeah, the education is the biggest part of everything. Your clinicians, your physicians and everything, all your doctors, they are not getting any information about the endocannabinoid system in schooling. I think it's less than 10% of schools. I think it's actually about 5% of schools to have any education on the endocannabinoid system whatsoever. Clinicians are coming out knowing that these things are out there, knowing that most states have CBD, if not CBD and THC in a medical program or an adult use program. But yet they're not being educated in in any way, shape or form. So not to disparage the doctors, but they're just coming out ignorant to what cannabis is capable of and how it actually works with other prescription medications. And it just makes them fearful of certifying patients for it since we can't actually prescribe because that's a federal term that has been defined. So that makes things a little bit more difficult. And the federal legality of it makes a lot of the clinicians very hesitant as well. They're worried they're going to lose their DEA license or something like that just by talking about it, which is not the case. I mean, the the federal government has said they're not using any funds to go after anybody for any of this. But for your pharmacist, especially, patients come in and ask us weird, random questions about medications all the time. They're a little bit more hesitant usually when it comes to the doctors about being honest about some of that kind of stuff. And it's really imperative that we can have some conversation with them because there are interactions. There are different issues that will come up between cannabis and prescription medications, whether it's antidepressants, whether it's your sleep medications or even some blood pressure medications and blood thinners. There's interactions there. So if we're looking or talking to a patient and they say, you know, listen, I'm thinking about trying medical marijuana. I got some gummies from my cousin or somebody in another state and I was trying them. 
these people are usually going to be using somehow or had somebody recommend it to them before they're coming to ask you the question. So it's imperative that we can actually answer them and not just say, you know, I have no idea that's illegal. We can't do that, especially in your legal states. It's incumbent upon the pharmacists and the providers to have some conversation with them about this. So where do you get the education? I mean, that was my biggest thing when I started seven years ago. There wasn't nearly the amount of information out there. So I started going to a couple of conferences that I could tell were very medically based, that were all nurses and doctors and PhDs that were giving very detailed information about the studies that they were doing and everything, different studies that were presented. And it really helped me learn how and where to look for a lot of this information and just that it's out there. I mean, you do a PubMed search and you're going to get over 30,000 studies that are different studies for cannabis right now for hundreds of different conditions on all the different cannabinoids and everything too. Now, obviously, that can be very overwhelming for most patients. You know, you're not looking for 30,000 different PubMed articles to sift through. So I would say as healthcare professionals, we're pretty good at doing our research. We know how to look for that information to find what is beneficial for the patient, for us and getting the information we're looking for. So it's not difficult. It's just a matter of being willing to look for it. A lot of the doctors that I have spoken to, a lot of the clinicians, they have said, listen, I don't need to go get another master's. I don't need another anything. I just need some education about this. Your typical CE is an hour long. That's great. It gives you some very basic information, but not 90% of it is usually forgotten by the time you walk out the door. It's like the TIOCM, the Institute of Cannabinoid Medicine, has a 100-hour diplomate program that we're doing for clinicians anywhere from a PhD and doctors to PAs, nurse practitioners, nurses, even just a person with a bachelor's degree looking to get a master's, there's, there's opportunity there as well. There are other programs that are out there that are not quite as time-consuming as well, but it is incumbent upon us to make sure we know this. Seeing what's happening in New York right now with getting rid of the pharmacists from the dispensaries, seeing what's happened in other states out West and whatnot, where they've completely eliminated their medical program in favor of adult use so that they can get more tax income from it. There are not healthcare professionals that are out there available to have these conversations with patients like they should be. Whether their state has some restrictions for, say, nurses. I know Oregon restricts nurses, does not allow them to talk about cannabis with patients whatsoever, which it's a totally legal state. Why can they not have those conversations? That's just absolutely bonkers to me. And in particular, in Oregon is where I went and found out that they eliminated their medical program in favor of taxing everybody to the point where when I went into dispensaries, they're like, oh, we don't even have medical patients anymore because they don't have a medical program. They just deal with caregivers and doctors. Who are these caregivers and how many doctors are actually capable of having these conversations? And even the doctors that are certifying patients, most of the time are not capable of having a conversation and will say, oh, you know, go to the dispensary and talk to them there. I just do the certification. I don't really know much about it. And it changes and it's very disheartening to the patients. They look at a doctor, especially a doctor certifying them for medical cannabis as some sort of an expert, as having some idea as to what they're certifying patients for, and they don't. One of the numbers that I always like to give patients is off-label use of prescriptions. One in five prescriptions are written for off-label use. That's 20% of prescriptions. So the doctors that'll tell you, well, there's no research out there to show that cannabis is safe and effective and beneficial and everything. You can ask them if they've ever written a prescription for off-label use, which means, as you are well aware, 
has never been tested for its safety and efficacy for those conditions. So cannabis has the safest drug profile of any medication ever. Nobody has ever died from cannabis use. One of my favorite quotes, the only way to die from cannabis is 50 pounds from 50 feet. You know, it's <laughs> uh, it's just that safe. I, I believe the technical is you have to inhale. If you're inhaling, it's 15 tons in under 15 seconds. So physically impossible to inhale that much cannabis and you're dying from lack of oxygen more than you are from any cannabinoid overdose of any sort. On all of those levels, I think it's important for physicians and, and pharmacists and all of your clinicians to really be educated on this. Their patients are out there using it, asking questions, wanting information. And if they can't get it from their, their providers, they're going to go find it somewhere else. And Dr. Google is not a place that we want our patients looking for information that's never healthy. No, I think that's a great point is being there, a guide, our guide in their journey and their health is you have to become the authority. And if you can't be the authority, if you don't do the work, and we all know 10,000 hours to be an expert. So what's in your mind, what's the sort of minimum that people need to do if they're going to confidently talk in this space? Is there a program or a cert or I always think minimum viable product? What would they, in your mind, because you're the expert, you consult people too, you, you consult professionals. So there's one point here is we can get paid for this as pharmacists, as consulting. They don't have to dispense this product to get paid to consult people. And people can get a hold of you. We'll let them know how they can get a hold of you at the end of this. But what do you think like the minimum is for people to kind of go out and get started? Like what would be the next step for them? I would say absolute minimum would probably be about 20 hours or so just to be able to have some confidence in what you're talking about. Because the second you answer one question, you're going to get follow-ups. That's just the nature of the beast. If you have some information, they're going to want as much as you have typically, and they're going to have follow-ups with that. But to truly have a conversation with them and to be able to go back and forth and have further conversations I think a good 100-hour program would be necessary, honestly. I mean, it, there's so much information out there. There's so many different cannabinoid profiles and terpenes and strains and all of these different delivery methods and how they act and the different receptor sites that they're acting, the different places that they're actually affecting, the amount of impact they have on your gut-brain axis and, and all of the, you know, the other things that we talk about with the integrative and functional medicine and how cannabinoids interact there, too, is something that a 20-hour course isn't going to give you enough information to truly be able to counsel patients appropriately on something like that, but it will give you the basics that you could have a conversation with them that you're not going to feel like you're a fool or lying to them or anything like that or making things up, but you know that you're going to have limitations as to what you can speak about. A lot of times for providers, that 20 hours is just to kind of wet your whistle a little bit. It gets you intrigued and now you want to know more. It's enough to get you a good amount of basic information, but not necessarily enough to truly feel like what you're talking about. We like to as pharmacists. And that's where I feel like because of the direction the country is going with this, I feel like most pharmacists are interested. They just don't necessarily know where to go to get the quality information. And then once they have some, they're going to want more. They're like, oh, this is good information, but I need something better. I need something more. I, I need more definitive answers and everything too. For me, that's a lot of what it was. It's been a labor of love. I've enjoyed the new information. There's so much more and it's real time. Most of the research that we read is older stuff after medications have come out and everything else. We're doing this while patients are using these medications and going through the trial and error process with them. And to be able to do that safely and confidently 
is an amazing thing. You can't do that with, I mean, how many prescription medications have been pulled off the market years after they've been on for whatever side effects or anything like that that they're causing? We've never had that with cannabis. That has never once been an issue in the thousands of years it's been around. So I think it's incumbent upon us healthcare professionals to educate ourselves and be able to help. I know as a pharmacist, I get millions of questions from my family members about pharmacy stuff. Then it started with all the cannabis stuff before I even got involved. They were asking questions about, can I use this with, with these medications and such too? So whether or not you've educated yourself on it doesn't mean you won't get questions, even from family members and such, that you want to be able to answer them, if not your patients in the pharmacy and such too. Yeah, it's a good point. Is I love that this step, it's almost like the way that we absorb content now. It's like you do a webinar, you get sort of interested, you join our program over a period of a couple of days, and then you get more interested. And then you maybe there's a book you read or a seminar you go to or a mentor that you hire. And then you go into what I would call like you get a certificate, 20 hours, and then, then it's a certification. And so there's always levels that you can continue. It's always good to know. It's like as long as you're a couple steps ahead of your patient you're always in a pretty good space, right? If you get a foundational knowledge, you can open up the conversation, the follow-ups will come, then we're a really good profession of being really resourceful of getting information that we don't have. You don't know everything about every drug, but you go back and you can kind of work it. So you don't have to be the cannabis guru to get started. The point is, is we can go and get our information. But what I really liked about what you said is it's not responsible to just stop with a webinar and think you're like a professional, you know, it's like, well, that's going to get you moving down that path. But what's really fun and what you kind of alluded to here is, and we've talked about this, where we're talking about this in the summit with also other types of plant medicines, like psychedelics coming through, like psilocybin is these have been used with tremendous safety for not even hundreds, but thousands of years. But now the beauty is the science is catching up to the ancient wisdom of these plants. And I love the beauty of wisdom and where all these have come from. These come from the earth, right? This is the beauty of wisdom of the universe. But we've got sort of the ancient piece that's been used forever. And now as clinicians, because we're science-based science-backed people, right? We're healthcare practitioners, evidence-based. All that stuff is coming in at the same time. So now we have this merging of, I guess it's like the science and the woo-woo are kind of catching up a little bit. So I love that fact right now because we can attack this for where society can wrap their heads around it. It's like, oh, there's a medical provider because I'm used to that. Nobody's going to go find the shaman on the corner in the United States and go, well, guide me through this cannabis process or this psilocybin journey that we don't have 24-hour shaman spaces. So it's kind of like, well, we have this opportunity now as healthcare providers to really provide education and resources to patients that are utilizing very, very effective and very healing medicines. When we talk pharmacy, are really masking symptoms a lot. But some of these things we're talking about now are really truly healing and becoming healers, not providers is where I want to be. I want to fix problems for good. I don't want to necessarily just mask things. And so I love that part of the process. Where do people go to sign up for the things you were talking about? 
Absolutely. Thank you. And I really appreciate what you're saying about the whole holistic feel of everything there too. I mean, I think for patients, especially the research end of things, they research the things they're interested in. The prescription medications, unless they have a family member or somebody like that's on it and they're worried and everything else, they don't usually do the research. But with cannabis, they really do. And they're really interested in doing the research and find stuff that even I've never found and everything too. So I really like that aspect about everything. You can find me on my website, mmconsultct.com. John Patrick University is jpu.edu. They have the Integrative and Functional Medicine Master's Program with the Concentration in Cannabis Medicine, which has been amazing. We have some amazing professors and everything there, too, that are cannabis experts that have been in this industry for quite a long time now. And then the Institute of Cannabinoid Medicine is actually kicking off now, too, with their 100-hour diplomate course, too. So for those that don't want to get a full master's and are looking for something more than just a certificate, that is really one of the best ways to truly get the, the details of what is going on here and to be able to have those conversations. And honestly, one of the things that I've found more valuable than anything about these courses so far is most of the time as pharmacists, especially, we've gone to school with other pharmacists, whatever we've done, whether it's classes or anything. So we get that pharmacist perspective on everything, drug to dispensing and all of that type of a mentality. Whereas when I've been taking these classes, I've been taking them with nursing students, nutrition students, actually nurses and nutritionists and everything too. And to hear the perspectives that they have in how to treat these patients, the places that they're coming from and how cannabis can be beneficial for people in those avenues as well has been so valuable because, you know, it's one thing to think about the actual dispensing and the interactions with other medications and everything else, but how they're applying it in their own settings, I think, has been more valuable than anything because every one of us work very differently and apply things very differently depending on the patients. And that, to me, I think has been the, the best part of it is you start to see these clinicians and nurses and everything else having these tools in their toolbox now. It's not appropriate for everybody. But it is appropriate for quite a few people, and it doesn't mean that we shouldn't be able to talk about it, have educated conversations about it with our patients, and be able to, to certify and recommend when it's appropriate as well. I think it's important for our clinicians to do that because any clinician that you talk to that just gives you a flat-out no or I don't know about something, you tend to have that knee-jerk reaction where you're like, maybe this clinician isn't for me. Maybe this provider, if they're just going to shut me down because I asked about something as opposed to giving me a reason at least as to why they don't think that's appropriate, that is legitimate. That's a problem for a lot of patients now who are taking control of their own healthcare and, and really being their own advocates and their family members who are advocating for them as well. In the clinician's best interest, it's incumbent to be able to have that conversation because they will lose patients if they can't have those conversations. I love that piece where you went like the integrative component of this. It's kind of like with functional medicine. When I got certified in IFM, there was modalities of everything. And then pharmacists were in the other category. I think we still are in functional medicine. We're working hard at that. You're getting a different perspective from all these people in these cohorts, right? Because there's a prescribing perspective, a nursing perspective, a nutritional perspective, because there is no one pathway. It's kind of like clinical nutrition. We talk to our patients about the clinical aspects of supplementation, another 
beyond the pill approach, but other people are kind of owning it. And so there's a lens, like a pharmacist lens we can put onto this that is really important in dosing, prescribing, doing all the things we do, which we could get down the rabbit hole of why aren't pharmacists mandated medical marijuana dispensing like in some capacity. And so you've also worked with other states that are looking to become medical and advising on the laws and stuff because it is state specific. That's a really cool piece. So people know how to get a hold of you. What is mmconsultct.com? Yep. Perfect. They can go to your website. They can check out those educational programs. They can book a call with you if they have any further questions. You got anything else for these awesome wellness-driven pharmacists before we leave? Not anything that I haven't said already. I mean, like I said, the one thing for pharmacists that one thing I learned a long time ago, and you just mentioned it too, is we don't know everything about everything. You have enough knowledge to have some conversation about most every medication, but being able to say, you know what, I'm not sure, let me look that up. And having the ability to look something up and get back to a patient, as opposed to just shutting them down and saying, you know, I don't know, I'm not sure, I'm not aware of that, it's not federally legal, or I wasn't taught it in school. That's not the role of the pharmacists. I mean, the role of the pharmacist is to help provide that education when it comes to medications for patients. So at the absolute minimum, being able to look something up and be willing to get back to them with some answers and, and having some confidence and knowledge in doing that, I think is so important to pharmacists and maintaining that trust and confidence of the patients as well. That's a great segue to this is like, having our patients have informed, confident decision-making abilities, right? I think that's the number one superpower for a pharmacist. So Brian, this was an awesome conversation. I'm confident this gave value to pharmacists opening up their eyes to some some really cool and effective beyond-the-pill strategies for our profession, but also for our patient care. So I really want to appreciate you coming on and thank you, my friend. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Beyond the Pills podcast. You can find Josh on LinkedIn and Facebook at Josh Rimini and on TikTok at Beyond the Pills. And if you enjoyed today's episode, we'd be forever grateful if you left a review wherever you get your podcasts. If you know somebody who wants to go beyond the pills, send them this episode. If you've got any specific questions or ideas for future episodes, reach out to Josh and send him a message. Thanks again for being a part of the Beyond the Pills community. We'll see you next time.